now is every tribe, every nation, every tongue, there are people singing the praises of our Lord. And I, I just, I love to think about that every once in a while because the nations are crying out right now. Like, this is Sunday. This is, this is our day. If you're a Christian, this is your day. This is the day that we believe that Christ rose from the dead. And people all around the world are gathering to do what we're doing right now in so many languages, in so many places, in so many different ways. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever gotten a chance to travel, to go see other countries, but to see how, what the foods they eat, the things that they do, the, the different culture, but then especially the way that we worship all the same God, but in completely different ways. It's just one of the coolest things ever. And we're going to get to highlight that today uh, as we talk with, with Tony. Here's what's going on. We're in a, a series called Over the Top. And it's about how our faith, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's only a matter of time before, if you're following Jesus, it's only a matter of time before you're going to do something, you're find yourself compelled to do something that's over the top. It's a phrase that we use in English that, that's like this kind of this radical, this extreme. We defined it this way last week um, when it comes to over the top. Over the top refers to something that is extreme or dramatic in nature. It's just something like, 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 and when, when you do, you know you're doing something over the top when people around you are saying, what are you doing? Who, who does that? that, that that's kind of crazy. And we talked about last week how Jesus in the New Testament, if you read the New Testament, there was just something about Jesus that caused people to fill in the blank. Do things that were over the top, do things that were dramatic, cut holes in roofs to get their friends who are, you know, their friend that was paralyzed to Jesus. Um, just to go through a crowd just to touch his robe to be healed. Um, there's just a cry out to him, like, Lord, I need your help. There's, there's just something about Jesus. The closer you get to him, he just causes you to do things that are over the top. Not all the time. But every once in a while, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if, if by Christian, all I mean is you want to be like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, we're going to do some things sometimes that are over the top. Just like Jesus was going to die for us on the cross, that's totally over the top. Why would the God of the universe even care about something so minuscule as us in this great, big, huge universe? And yet he does. Because he has over-the-top love for us. It's only a matter of time if you're following Jesus that that's going to be true about your life. That you're going to have some sort of story or you're going to feel compelled. And so I left you last week with like, hey, when's the last time you did something over-the-top just because you're a follower of Jesus? What's, what's maybe God calling you to do right now that's over-the-top? Not, not because you're nice, not because you're whatever, but because, simply because it's like I'm a follower of Christ and I feel compelled to do this. What is maybe God stirring in your heart right now? That's what over the top is all about. Today is going to look a little bit different instead of me preaching a sermon. I'm going to invite Tony up here in a second. In fact, you can come up right now. Can you give Tony Nunez a round of What we're going to 
gonna do is, um, I actually used Tony and Coco as an example last week of over-the-top faith. Um, their work in Juarez um, is, is truly incredible, the things that they, they do in, in Juarez. And just, just a, a little bit of background, Juarez, Mexico is less than a thousand miles from here. It's, it's probably actually the closest, the fastest way you can get to Mexico is just drive south on I-25 and you'll hit El Paso and, and Juarez. And El Paso, I didn't know this, but Juarez is actually 1.5 million people. It's a border city, so like half of the city north of, north of the border is El Paso. Yeah. And then the other half of the city is Juarez. So if you look at it from like satellite, it's this big round thing, but then cut, cutting through the mid, middle of it is the Rio Grande River and the border. And all of us have heard you know, news about the, uh, like the border towns, um, you know, immigration coming through those border towns. This is the, the world that, that Tony and Coco live in. Um, Tony, you were telling me uh, a couple days ago about how many people, talk, talk to us about how many people are coming through the border right now and what, how that affects you. Um, and, and Tony speaks really good English. If there's something, like, if you get stuck, I'll, I'll help out. Or I'll explain something, but um, yeah, tell us tell us what's happening in Juarez with immigration and that kind of thing. Yeah, so a thousand of people, you know, are coming to the south of the country from South America, you know. Yeah. Different, Venezuela, uh, Colombia, a thousand people. When just the pastor say one point millions, one point five know, million, another million more. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the immigrants is here waiting in the line to receive you an opportunity to have a meet in the customs. Yeah, to have a meeting with, yeah. with an American yeah. custom to become a citizen. Some of them are seeking asylum, political asylum. Some of them are going through the long process of becoming uh, a US citizen. And then obviously some are just crossing illegally. Yeah. Um, and, but the, his, his area and his town is, is kind of flooded always. There's people in transition seeking a better life. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, you know, is waiting. They live, you know, sleeping in the, yeah. in the streets, you know, in the parks and in mm -hmm. homes, old homes. So, and we go to, you know, give to all of them one world peace of love, yeah. you know, in the love of Jesus and show the love of yeah. Jesus, you know, giving them food, a hug, and say they are looking for, you know, a better life. Yeah, they coming, walking, many, many days to look for a new life, yeah. a better life, and I I ready to say the better life of Jesus Christ yeah. to all of these people. Yeah. So this is the better way. Yeah, so Tony feels very compelled, like that there's homes that host these, these migrants, these people, and they go and minister in those homes a lot and spend time. Um, and backing up though, you and I met about 15 years ago, it's hard to believe 15 yeah. years has passed, um, I, I worked at Bergen Park Church for many years, and uh, a team of us took, uh, we, we took a team of folks down there. I, I was, in my 20s, a little bit naive as to what we were getting into, but it was wonderful. We, we took about 20 people from ages, like, I don't know, how old was Emily? She had to be like 12, age 12 to Eleanor, who was 80 years old. And uh, should we tell them about Eleanor? Yeah. So there's this eight-year-old woman that was <laughs> that was with us. She's single. She's from our church, and she came. She went down there, and we went. Do you remember where we were when that guy started and fell in love with her? We started in 
Kiki? How, do you remember where that was? In front of church, we were doing some sort of program, and this older Mexican gentleman really took a shine to Eleanor, and he fell in love with her. And he, by the end of the night, he actually proposed to her. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, Terry was on, and I was like, what did we just get ourselves into? What is going on here? You know, it was, it was hilarious. I mean, that was, and we got a picture of Eleanor with this huge sombrero on, it was great. Um, but anyway, what was I talking about? So we met 15 years ago. Um, and I was a youth pastor at the time. I, we had a connection through my college of, of this place in Juarez that people were doing missions trips. I made, you know, made a call. I had a friend bring me down there. Um, and I just, guys, I had no clue what I was getting into. I had no clue how much this would mean to me. Like I said, you know, there, there's so many. Our world is full of beautiful cultures and beautiful people that, that live lives so different than ours. And then when it comes to faith, that means that when they have faith, they express faith different than ours. And that is so important. Um, you, and you, Tony, were my first experience with that. Uh, my first time, my first cross, truly cross-cultural experience that that challenged my American worldview. I, I saw, I remember seeing poverty really for the first time. I remember we went and visited in Palachino. We visited yeah. a family. It was a family of four or five. They had like high school daughters and they lived in a room the size of, the, 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 from the stage to the chairs, just one bedroom with a dirt floor. And I just was like, it just blew my mind. Um, and that was like, you have to understand, this is like, you can, I could walk out of that house and see the United States. I could see it was that close to the United States, 10 miles from the border, five miles even. It was really close. And, but what happened is this beautiful relationship yeah. that we started, not just with you and me, but the team. And the first year we went, uh, we are like, we're going to go help. We're going to go build things. We're going to, you know, we're going to come as Americans and, and, and help the Mexicans. And we did. We built some. We did some building projects. We did a BBS yeah. Yeah, that BBS. year, um, and then we just we got to know our friends in Mexico. And then the next year, we totally changed. They're like, we, they don't need us to come and help them. Uh, so the next year, what we did was we went and, and we partnered with them. We would bring some funding to partner with some, and do some things together. We'd go to um, old folks' home. One of the coolest things that we ever did was that I remember was we went to an old folks home and we got a whole bunch of glasses, old used glasses, like 100 or 200 of these things. And, and we went into the old folks home and, and, and just had people just try on glasses. No, that one doesn't work, that one doesn't work. And it, it was incredible, we bought Bibles with us and we'd give them a pair of glasses and a Bible and you knew when it worked most of the time. Most of the time you knew when it worked because like people would put glasses on that would be close to their prescription and they'd start to cry because they could read the words of the Bible. And it was just, it was really incredible experience. We visited an orphanage. Um, we went to the hospital and handed out burritos. Um, and this is just kind of what you guys do, what uh, we found our friends do, is just any opportunity to love in your community, you, you take it. Um, any, and then by the third year, we decided like we're just going to go and just completely support you and what do you want to do if you had some money to do this or how can we help like give you the manpower to help set up an event 
And I remember you did like a crusade in a park. We, yeah. we spent the week cleaning up this park yes. near the church. And then we call it like a crusade. It was like, you had this big stage. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony got up and, and just spoke. And like hundreds of people came to Christ. Yeah. It was just this really, really cool moment. But there's also, that was our last trip yeah. to Juarez. Because what we found out was it was so dangerous, and we really, on that last third year, we felt that danger. Uh, we started to, it was different than the years that we had been there, and, and there was just a, a bad climate at the time between the political powers and the, and, uh, the gangs. And um, we decided, you know, much to our chagrin, that it, it wasn't safe yeah. to, to come. Yeah. And that was in 2008. Um, and what's, what's really cool, and this is one of, I'd forgotten about this. In 2009, I was, I was gonna become a dad for the first time. My daughter was being born the week of like spring break when we normally go. And a group of 10 or 12 of the youth group and the, the adults from, from, from Bergen Park Church, I wasn't able to go because we were having a baby like right then. A group of 10 or 12 of them actually drove down or took a bus, I can't remember, and just hung out in El Paso. Yeah. And as many people from the church that had like visas that could come into El Paso came and just hung out to just to be together. Amen. Who does that? That's so beautiful to me. I'd forgotten about it till this week. And it was like, that is so cool. That's the, just a, a testimony to the bond that we have in Christ um, and the bond that we have in e with each other, um, you know, uh, and we just we've, we've stayed close ever since then. I want you to talk about um, Juarez is a dangerous place. Yeah. Parts of Juarez, in particular, are very dangerous. Um, can you tell them what's happened around your church and around your home? So. Tony's a pastor of, of, a, of, his, of a church called Emmanuel Iglesia. Yeah. Can you tell them just what's happened in the last week around your church and around your home? Yeah, when we are here, we come here and refresh our lives, you know, my wife and my family. Because, you know, in the pastor, and, uh, and this week, in these days, when we are here, I receive a message in my same street in front of my house. And one block, they found us some body under the ground and the other side yeah, a, a buried dead yeah, body yeah yeah other jobs just die because somebody killed them so one side and another side it's some sad but the lord told me like the bible say you know uh hundred no thousand go yeah on. a thousand yeah. fall on this side and the other side yeah. ten thousand on this yeah. side and this is the verse yeah. thank you bro. so God made me say always, you know, because we receive many, many praise from many, many of you to us in our city. God protect us always, you know. So it's not here also, but this is the faith, you know. Yeah. I feel protected from God in my family also because we need to pray always. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is uh, the point. Yeah. The big point. Yeah. The protecting from God to us yeah. always. Yeah. Um, tell us how you became a Christian when you were 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I married my wife, Coco. She was only 
50 years old. Yeah. Which <laughs> is very, actually really year. common, even, even to, we were just yeah, talking about this a couple weeks ago, that, that even today it's, it's common to get married at 15, 16, 17 years old, which is just crazy for us. But. You know, we are little kids only. Yeah. So in two years more uh, after marriage, uh, Coco went to divorce with me. I know why. <laughs> I'm thinking and playing to dad and mom. So, and my mom has been a Christian and she taught me about, you know, the Lord. And I beginning to come to the church and I come now beginning to serve the Lord in the church. And my wife can see, you know, different changes in my life. And she come also, say, what are you doing? I'm going to go to the church and beginning. So he went to come in with me. but. I tell the pastor, I come looking for Jesus, and I found uh, a religion, you know, uh -huh. legalism, many yeah. laws. Let me let me explain that. Yeah. So so we actually have a picture of of, of Isaac and Isaac when he was a baby, and Tony and Coco go to put that picture up. <laughs> Sorry, Isaac. Listen. Um, yes, this is a long time ago. Uh, how many, how many years? How old were you? Yeah, you know, I exactly three years. Okay. I see have a three years old. Yeah, so I was three. And then how old are you? Coco, 18. 18. And me, yeah. 21. Okay, yeah. So 18 and 21, so just little kids. Yeah. But this is when they were starting to go to church. And what they found when they went to church was a very legalistic um, church setting. In fact, in this picture, I, I've seen this picture for many years, but I didn't find out until just a couple days ago. That picture right there, you can see on Coco's head, um, that's not like a hat or something stylistic she's wearing. That's actually a head covering, which in some very conservative churches, uh, even till to today, there, there, there's a one verse out of yeah, out of Corinthians, First Corinthians, or something, where Paul says. Women, women should keep their heads covered when they come to worship. And looking at that now, as we look at, you know, as we study the Bible, we think that that was like a cultural thing for in that area, in the area of Corinth, where that church was, it was maybe not uncommon for women to wear some sort of head covering when they came into worship. There are people, even today, that, that read, Christians today, that read that verse and say, this is what, oh, that's what Paul says, therefore, this is what has to be. And it was, and what, what they encountered when they went to this church was, Coco started, they're like, you need to keep your head covered when you come to church. And so, did I just die? Did I just, okay, I'm back, we're back. Um, so she, she had to cover her head, and um, they, it's, it's, it, this is an environment that is, there's many other rules, no television, yeah. televisions from the devil, yeah. um, no dancing, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, even down to things like celebrating birthdays, celebrating Christmas, that was once a pagan thing, so we shouldn't even celebrate Christmas, or it has pagan roots, so we should probably stay away from it. And um, yeah, so th that's what they encountered, but they also encountered Jesus, and they were drawn to Jesus in this legalistic culture. Here's, here's what legalism means. This, we're going to put the definition up. Legalism is dependence on moral law rather than personal religious faith. So when it, when it comes legalism, when it comes to religion or faith, it is more dependent on rules and laws and a moral code 
those are lifted up higher than your personal religious faith uh, and, and, and what you truly believe in your heart and that kind of stuff. It's really, and, and people within a legalistic uh, environment would, would argue that the reason why for these laws is that should be, if you have true faith, your expression should be, you do all these things. You should have all this action. And what happens in a legalistic environment, and some, I know right now I'm preaching to the choir for some of you. Some of you grew up in churches that had very legalistic environment, an environment where the rules, the laws, the morality, they were more important than the people themselves. That's what happens in a legalistic environment, correct? Yeah. Is, is the laws and upholding the laws is more important than the people themselves. Yeah. And people get lost. And what's interesting is Jesus entered a world in the New Testament, if you're familiar with the New Testament, that was very legalistic. Yeah. The, the Jewish environment at the time, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders were very legalistic. They talk about even like, like tithing their, their spices, that, that, like that there were Jews that, that took tithing so seriously that when they got spices, they'd take 10% of the spice and bring that to the temple. Now, if you want to do that out of gratitude to, towards God and out of diligence and devotion to him, that's great. Like, like, like some of us might do things that are that over the top, right? We're talking about over the top. And in some, in some senses, I'm encouraging you to do things like that. We're like, I'm going, I'm going all out for Jesus. But the problem is, is when you bring your spices to the temple and say, God, here's my spices, and then start looking around like, you didn't bring your spices, you didn't bring your spices, therefore you must not be as good of a Jew or as a Christian as me. That's when problems arise. And honestly, let's be honest, that's when people get hurt, right? In these legalistic environments. In fact, maybe for, the, for you, that is your story. You grew up in a church. You've always been open to maybe the idea or the things of God. But the idea of coming into an environment where you feel judged or you're not quite sure like where you stand because you're not sure what you've done this week and if that's enough. You can only handle that for so long, right? Before you you explode, before or before you get yelled at before. So this is the environment that you guys entered. This very legalistic environment, right? Um, what happened after that? Yeah, we walk we walk under this legalism from I think ten years. Ten, 11, yeah, ten years, yeah. Years. When the God sent to our church, you know, one brother from Colorado. Yeah. Pastor Gus Gill. He was the chaplain in CCU. Yeah. So this is, there's a man named Gus Gill that was actually the chaplain at our university. This is how we got connected. He went and met some, with some pastors down in Juarez. And he would preach, and the message that he preached was different. How yeah. is it different? He came to teach, you know, about the grace, the grace of God. This the grace, is, yeah. The grace, live on, in the grace of love, in God. So this is the, the big difference, religion yeah. and grace. So when, when we know about that, I'll tell my wife, huh, I put it because she don't feel she needs you, you know? Yeah. I put it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was your idea that she had to wear a head covering to yeah. church. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it happens sometimes, right? She didn't want to wear the head covering, so you came back from, yeah. from this, this time 
and yeah. tell her what. And I, one day we are driving to one church that we are planting in the south, and I tell her, I want to see you. Forgive me. Someday I mm. put it in your hand, this for love, traditional yeah, love. Yeah. And now I want to tell you, I want to kill you. You are free. Yeah. You are free. Don't need it more. No? Yeah. So you, she said, You guys understand? Yeah, yeah. She said, What they think the ladies, all their sisters? Don't, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry, it's my fault. <laughs> it's my fault. Yeah. She never will use again. Yeah. She's under the grace now of yeah. the Lord. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So grace is defined this way. Um, this, is, this is out of Ephesians. It is by grace that you have been saved. And that comes through faith. Not, not works. Works are important. We'll get there in a second. But it, it, your grace, God gives us grace not because of we're good. If we were good, we wouldn't really need grace, right? He gives us grace because he loves us. And everybody needs to hear this. Everybody look at me. God has grace for everything, anything that you have ever done. There is enough grace to cover everything wrong that you have ever done. And he loves you, and, and he invites you into a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship that's based on grace, that comes through faith, faith that we, we trust him, that we believe in him, that we need him, that we need his forgiveness. Yeah. And that is not of ourselves, the verse goes on to say, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift. This is, grace is a true gift from God. So that changes how we do church, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it, you know, when we do church legalistically, it's like you need to come in and you need to get in line. You need to do these things. Versus when now, uh, fast forward a couple of years, Tony becomes a pastor of a church and it, it's about grace. It's about preaching God, about God's love yeah. and, and, and God's grace for us yeah. that we can receive through faith. Yeah. And it's a gift from God. And it's heavy because, you know, Many of the youths that I know when I am younger, you know, other sons, other boys, of other brothers who live in the Lego names, these boys are growing, you know, also angry, you know, with, yeah. the, with the religion, not with God, but angry with the religion. Yeah, and the people of yeah. the religion. And when they have an age, you know, maybe 18 years old, they say, I don't want to go more go and live to the, you know, yeah, make the scene. We, we know that story, yeah. too. That, that, we have that story yeah. here in the United States. So, and I thank God because saying that God's given in the time, better time for yeah. me and my three boys serve the Lord, the church, yeah. free under the grace of God. Yeah. So I preach about this. Yeah. Thanks, God. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, so that's grace, that's, that's legalism. Um, and if that's your story, I'm so glad you're here at church like this. It's just... Let's, let, let's put the verse up. This is our verse for today. Put that second Corinthians verse up. Because of grace, it says this, for Christ's love compels us. So we talked, you know, works, works are important. We'll get to the rest of the verse here in a second. What you do is really important. Because if you're a jerk, that hurts other people. You know, if, if, you, if you do things selfishly, you're, you're going you're gonna to hurt the people around you the most. And God doesn't want that for them or for you. And so he wants to change our lives. He wants us to love and have, the, like, have actions. He wants us to have devotion towards him. He wants to be, us to be generous with what we have. 
He wants us to trust him and do things that are over the top, like things like, what, who does that? He wants that story for our lives. But God's, uh, I remember we were talking about it in a small group, but this is a few years back, but like God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to push you and make you do it. Yes, there's laws. Yes, there's, there's, when we come to the script, scriptures and the Bible, you start to see, yes, there, there are things that are in a sense required of us, but God's not going to interfere in our lives and say, you need to do this. It's up to you guys, students in the room. This is like, like yeah, you, like, even if you grew up coming to church, you, you're going to church a lot. It's really up to you whether you believe this or not. It's really up to you whether or not you live this or not, that you receive Christ. No one can do that for you. And our prayer for you as, as adults, as parents, for the students in the room, is that, there, that you would come into contact with God's love in such a way, for, that you would come into contact with Christ's love in such a way that it just compels you to live a certain way. And it's not out of duty, it's not out of legalism that you do these things, but it's out of grace, it's out of, out of adoration. Like, God, you love me so much, you've forgiven my sins. I believe that your way is the better way. I want to give you my life. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, that Christ died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, that if, if we receive any life from Christ, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Have you ever received a gift that was so incredible? From, from a person, from another person. I'm not talking theologically, spiritually. I'm talking about physically you've received a gift from somebody. And it was such a generous gift. It demanded a response. You ever had that? Like, 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 you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is too much. Like, like you, you almost have to like confront the person. Like, what are you doing? This is this is too much. And they're like, no, I want I want you to have this. That kind of gift it it, it, it compels us, right? It demands a response, and that's what we believe that God has given us in His Son Jesus Christ. It's just such a gift, a gift of life. And some of us know that life, that life of just. It's every once in a while, I just look around and like, yeah, the world is full of difficult things. There are days that I wake up, I don't like myself. There, there's difficult things in my family, in, in our community, in our country, things I can't make sense of. But overall, there's times where I just, amidst all of that, I still I look around the world and I'm like, what have you given me, Lord? This is insane. You've given us so much. There's a, a song that goes that, there's, that love so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands, in, in, in essence, what we're talking about with Over the Top is it, it demands sacrifice. To follow Christ is to sacrifice. Because to follow Christ is to actually understand what he's done for us and, and do something in return. Let me talk, just pause for a second. Think about your own faith, wherever you are in your faith journey. When's the last time that you felt so loved by God that you were compelled to do something out of that love? I want to go back to your story. Because what's, so what's compelling to me about your story, Tony, is very early on, I remember we were sitting in your kitchen. This is when we first met, maybe the first trip that I was ever there. And I got to hear your story about 
being, you know, Coco and you being married, coming to, to Christ, finding a church that was legalistic, leaving the church of legalism, coming under grace. But, you know, again, this is the first time that I had ever seen anything like this in the world, like this type of poverty, this type of danger. Everything has fences. Everything has gates. Everything is locked. Um, one, one of the things that Tony and Coco love to do while they're here is just walk. They go on walks in the neighborhoods because they love to walk. And I, was like, do you, I asked him yesterday, I said, like, do you walk in, around here? He's like, yeah, sometimes. But then that's when he told me, yeah, like this week, someone got buried here and somebody got shot there and that's like blocks away from their house on the same street. Um, there's a question in my mind. I remember it raising in my mind when I first met you. Why do you live there? Why, why do you live in Juarez? Many people say, why do you put people live there? Yeah. You have a visa. You can come to live in yeah. your space. Many people, you know. Yeah, when he's, a visa to come here. You could have pursued, in fact, some of your friends are pursuing residency in the United States. So, But also, God told me, you know, our city is under darkness, you know. And God say, I want you to stand, stay here, because I want to show my light mm. to the people, you know. And only we can reflect mm. some light from God to the people to live yeah. around of our community. Love Jesus. He is the better life that you can perceive in you and you heart. So this is the reason that we continue doing all the things that we do in our city, you know, until, I don't know when, until yeah. the Lord wants, yeah. we'll be there. We, if we die there, okay. Yeah. And he say, it's finished, okay. Yeah. This is the boss. Yeah, you'll stay until yeah. it's finished. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And going back to that idea of, you know, people coming to Juarez and through Juarez, this phrase, in search of a better life. We can all relate to that. Like that, that's, that's, that's everybody's story. I was telling Tony when we were talking this week, how many of you, how many of you were born in Evergreen? Raise your hand, I'll show you. How many of you were born in Evergreen? Like my kids, that's it. Only. Seriously, only my kids. Oh, oh, there's another kid. There's literally no adults in this room raising their hand right now. Because all of us, with, we, we, we found ourselves here. Like, and, and I, I talk about this a lot. Like, in a sense, we, we've helped people move here and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, there's a sense that once you get to Evergreen, you've arrived. That you've gotten to where you want to be. It's, it's a beautiful place, the mountains. I mean, for, for crying out loud, like, the elk have been keeping me up so much in the last few nights. It's like, oh, it's like evergreen problems. You know, it's like, <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, many of us would and have moved to different cities just to get, or a different part of a city just to get our kids into a better school, right? We've moved to cities to get a better job. We moved across town just to, 
to, to get away from our parents and, and have a better life, you know, or whatever. Like, we're all in search of a better life, and we're willing to move to make that happen, right? Can we just level set that that's, we want the best for our family, we want, and, and if we can have a better life somewhere, we're going to chase that. But what I love about your story, and I love about Tony's story, is that Christ's love has compelled you to not move, stay, and not just stay in Juarez, but to stay in a, a part of Juarez that's really dark. Yeah. It's really dangerous. So dangerous, like we really, we're trying to figure out how we can even go visit it. Yeah. Who does that? Who does that? And we need to, I, I, I love this relationship because it just helps me, helps ground myself when I think about, okay, Tony was willing to do that. What am I willing to do how has Christ's love compelled me to, to live sacrificially? And you are, I've told you this before, but you're my hero in that sense. You are, you are a friend of mine that I need in my life to challenge and inspire me. You're doing a good work. You're right. I know I've seen it. You're right where you're supposed to be. Can you tell, can you tell Coco that, that, that? I believe that you guys are right where you're supposed to be. Estamos haciendo un trabajo muy grande y él es una inspiración para él muy fuerte también de lo que estamos haciendo nosotros allá en Juárez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm honored to, to call you my friend. Muy gracias por su honor platicar contigo. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can clap, sure. You can clap. <laughs> Honestly, that's all we got. Yeah, amen. Do you have anything more you want to say? No, no pray. Yeah. Um, Tony's going to pray for us. He's going to pray in Spanish. Um, and the cool part is the, the Lord hears the prayers of every language from every person in the world. Um, yeah, so let, let's pray and then we'll sing some more. Padre, amantísimo Dios, en esta hermosa mañana que nos permites estar reunidos en este lugar con tus hijos, tu siervo en esta hora yo bendigo la vida Señor del Pastor Jazz bendigo esta iglesia, esta comunidad de creyentes y valientes guerreros espirituales para mostrar tu amor y tu gracia al mundo entero tú conoces Señor el corazón de cada uno de ellos y yo te pido Padre que tu Espíritu Santo haga en ellos Padre esa fe radical over the top Bendícelo Dios y llena sus corazones con esa pasión que transforma vidas. Encamina sus pasos, oh Dios, a donde quiera que tú quieras que ellos vayan. Que cuando ellos, Señor, den un paso sea porque tu voluntad está en ellos. Bendice, Señor, a la familia, Señor. Dame. Oro, Señor, por su esposa, Señor, que tú la sanes, la levantes, Señor, y la libres de ese COVID. Y bendiga el Señor a sus hijos también. Gracias por la vida de cada uno de mis hermanos que nos han permitido, Señor, estar aquí hoy. Bendícelos y prospéralos siempre en el nombre de Jesús, tu Hijo amado Señor nuestro.